All right, here we go. Ready? Hi, I'm Trevor. And I'm Kristen. And this is another Buffy podcast. <laughs> We're going to talk about episode one today. Welcome to the Hellmouth from season one, episode one. Yay! Yay! I took so many <laughs> notes. Did you? I did. See, that's the other thing. I'm like... I'm in this I'm in this podcasting universe with now two people who take rigorous notes and I'm just like I'm gonna watch it yeah. and then we'll discuss and it'll be fine. That's a, I, I mostly do the like I'm just like I'll just go with the ebb and flow and then I have it just in case I'm like oh shit that's right I wanted to talk about that but yeah like, that's that's fair that's fair. Um, but yeah it's I I do want to say we didn't really do an episode about the movie. We didn't. We didn't do. A I mo- haven't watched the movie in a long time. Yeah I feel like maybe maybe one day we'll do like a special episode where we cover the movie. Sure. I I yeah. want to say watching this I realized how the movie is not really, you know, so many people didn't really enjoy the movie. Like the movie's definitely the reason I didn't watch this movie from episode 1 or the show from episode 1. Oh, okay. Like I had heard about this show and I was like, well that movie was whatever. Like I'm not interested in a show about that and I didn't start watching Buffy till the middle of season 2. But uh yeah. watching it um, especially this time, just like with the critical focus on it, it was good that the movie happened because they were able to play with the dialogue so much because it was known there was this story out there of this young blonde girl in high school killing vampires. So you have that in the back of your mind. Yeah, that's fair. Because there was so much where I was just like, this would be really confusing if this was, if they, they just came out of the gate swinging and this was the first time we had experienced this type of story. Yeah, I do I do like also that they they actually pretty seriously call back to the events of the movie mm-hmm. where like, sh- you know, Buffy's having that meeting with Principal Flutie, like almost, not almost the opening of the episode. Buffy Summers, sophomore, late of Hemery High in Los Angeles. If you discount the cold open and he like mentions that she burned down the gym and she's like, it was full of vampires. (laughs) She's like, what was I supposed to do? And so I do like that because that obviously is the climax of the movie is that she's burning down the gym to get rid of Lothos and everybody. But it is like, it's paying homage and it's like going back to the, the like original IP without making people need to watch it. Right. And I think that's like so smart. And that is like one of those instances where it's like you're getting enough backstory to know that this has already been going on, what she's dealing with, but you it's not enough backstory that you're like, what the hell are they talking? It's not so out of nowhere that you don't know what they're talking about. You just are like, well, she's troubled and she had problems at her old school and it's because of the problems that she's going to keep having at this school. Right. And I feel like that's such a good shorthand, and it's also such a good Easter egg for people who were already fans of the movie. Right, yeah, yeah. At 100%. that point. Which yeah. I know they were few and far between, but they existed. <laughs> Some people love the movie. I mean, the Some movie's people. not bad. It's just really silly as compared to this. You're going to wish you died. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't I I think it's probably partially because there's so much more of Sarah Michelle Geller to work with, but I don't love Christy Swanson's Buffy. No. She's not my she's not my favorite. She Christy's from what I remember and that's why it would be great to rewatch the movie too is 
that from what I remember, Christy Swanson was a little too close to Cordelia, I think, from mm. what I remember. Like, her yeah. personality was very... Whereas this Buffy is much more grounded and, like, mm-hmm. seeks out true people. Um, yeah. And I remember the Christy Swanson being a little more shallow than this Buffy. Mm-hmm. Although, we do get into that with Buffy in later... True episodes about how she used to be like that so i again it's very (laughs) it's very connected in ways that you don't necessarily expect this like not popular movie to be connected to this very popular tv show right it's i i like that it's that connected well and that's that's that was why i mentioned it is because i think having that movie exist and having her be having it essentially be this unlikable or barely likable movie where she was kind of an unpleasant person and then became this Buffy is a good thing Mm -hmm. as opposed to having to do that in the beginning of the show and then people are like what is this you know they get to jump right into like the good stuff essentially and have them (laughs) talk about everything in past tense like blah 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 blah. I know I'm the chosen one blah, blah, whatever it doesn't have to be cheesy why can't you people just leave me alone because you are the slayer into each generation a slayer is born one girl in all the world, a chosen one, one born with a strength, strength and skill to hunt the, the vampires, to stop the spread of their evil blah, blah, blah. I've heard it, okay? Could you even imagine if the show started, like if they had started over again, like oh. with all of the stuff in L.A.? I can't imagine. I, no. I mean, I'm sure it would have been good because he got a lot more, he got a lot more leeway on the TV show than he did on the movie. But I, I can't imagine I that. Do, yeah, I don't even know what that would look like. Because <laughs> that would be, like, the first half of season one, essentially. It would, yeah, at least. And, uh, yeah, that would be a whole different... And that's what I expected, I think, when I avoided the show. I expected oh, okay. it. I was just like, I don't want to revisit this story that was kind of whatever. Um, yeah. And then I'll... the I came in right in the middle of season two when they were promoting the hell out of that specific yeah. event. Um, yeah. So, and then that was, that literally was just where I was like, oh my God, what is the show? And I wasn't able to watch anything that led up to that. So I was just I know. so. God, the late nineties were such a time. It was such a time. Such a time. <laughs> it's just stamped. But uh, yeah, speaking of Principal Flutie, mm-hmm. that scene is the comedy in that scene yeah. is so great where he rips up her thing. He's like, that's not what we do here. Even if yep. it says, oh. It wasn't that bad. You burned down the gym. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> and he's just like taping it up and Buffy's looking at him tape it up. It's so funny. <laughs> well, and it's like at first all the pieces aren't where they're supposed to be. Yeah. So he just keeps flipping stuff over and like rearranging it. And it's so, so funny. Because that guy, he... It's not him, but he gives me such a Richard Kind vibe. Yeah. That I'm just every time I watch it, I'm it's like it's like Richard Kind is doing it, <laughs> even though I know he's not, and it's all I can think about is like it's just so funny the way he's like flipping all the things over yeah. and like making sure they're lining up again and they're still not yeah. right when he's finally it taping so it at the end. So bad when he tapes it. So bad. <laughs> It's like, why did you it's even like, do that? He, I think Principal Flutie is really bad at puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think you put them all in the wrong spot. Literally every single corner was in the wrong area. Yeah, I think so too. It's like he put the he put still the paper corners so that they're together and all the ripped corners yeah. are on the outside. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> um, but it's great. And, and what I also love too in the opening of the show is the way, because 
Buffy, Sarah Michelle Gellar, and the way they dressed her and presented her is such an un... Uh, problematic-looking person. Like, she doesn't mm. look like someone who would have burned down a gym. You know, she doesn't sure. look like she's yes. there to cost her. She literally just looks like a straight-up, no-trouble-causing yeah. person. And her, when her mom's just like, please don't get kicked out of this school don't again. Don't get kicked out. <laughs> You're all, what? So my I got home a little early today, and my husband walked in. He He had a shoot at work today, and so he walked in right when there was like a shot of Buffy in the library and she just has one of those clips in her hair, the like snappy clips that we all used to wear in the nineties. And it's like, he just goes, Oh God, that's a clip. And I was like, I was like, yeah, it's not great. And I was like, it's also not holding any of her hair back. There's like, there's like three inches of hair in front of the clip that's not being pinned back by it. That clip is purely aesthetic. It's doing nothing for her hair. It's just sitting there to just like be cute, I guess. And I just like so distinctly remember doing that when I was like in middle school and high school. And so that's the kind of stuff where you're totally right. She's wearing like even a little like sweater set kind of thing and like a like a modest skirt and boots, like cute suede boots and stuff. And you just are like, she seems totally like a normal girl that's going to be a cheerleader and it's going to be like in the honor society and stuff. And then she ends up, you know, you hear all these things about her burning down the gym and like that her mom has to warn her not to get kicked out of school. And you're like, what is happening here? It's very (laughs) subversive in that way. And I, obviously it's on purpose. We know that all of this stuff now is on purpose, but I can imagine had I been, had I been old enough to understand at the time it was airing and had I been watching it as it aired, I can believe that I would have been blown away by this for the time for sure. That's, yeah, that's what I mean is, like, without the – with because if you had watched the movie and then you go into this, you're like, oh, she's a slayer, she burned out of the gym, like, all mm-hmm. of this makes sense. But without that context, this show would have it, – it, it's so – it literally comes out of the gate. Like, this has not been done. I mean, there's been yeah. – there's, like, Xena and things like that, but this – unassuming young 15 year old girl going to school being this giant troublemaker and tied up in this demon world is like so explosive because like in fairness to xena lucy lawless looks like she could murder you exactly so it's like i i look at i look at lucy lawless in xena and i'm like oh (laughs) she is a warrior princess You look at Buffy, you look at Sarah Michelle Gellar in this show, and you're like, what a tiny slip of a girl. There's nothing to worry about. And in fact, it's the complete opposite, which is, I think, also what's so good and interesting about the cold open of this episode, which is also where we get one of my, like, top five characters of the Buffyverse, Darla. Yes. She's so amazing. So great. (laughs) As much as I go back and forth on the like schoolgirl outfit that she's got on. Yeah. It is so perfect for the time that she that that's what she's wearing. She looks like a Catholic schoolgirl. She looks so innocent. Julie Benz is also just like remarkably great at being this like wafy innocent girl who's like not sure we should be sneaking into the bio yeah. lab. <laughs> it's so so good. I I I, I don't want to go up there. Oh, you can't wait, huh? 
Yeah, and the way they play on that trope too, because they're just like, "Ooh, we're doing a we're doing a dark horror show, and this guy's gonna yeah. murder this girl or something." And then when she yeah. does it, it's funny because having seen it ten or eleven times, I'm like, so like, oh yeah, obviously, you know, this is Darla. She's a vampire. Blah blah blah. But it's mm-hmm. absent of like the past twenty years and absent of any context. You come into this and you're like, "What the fuck?" Exactly. She does such a good job, and the way it's written is so well done that it just flips the script. Yeah. It's very like the opening of Scream in that way. Yes. Where it's it's very, you know... And I'm not comparing Drew Barrymore and Julie Benz, because Julie Benz was in no way as popular as Drew Barrymore was at the time. But, you know, you it, it's... It's sort of ingrained in you. The first people that you meet in a TV show are the people that you're going to be with for like a while. And so I remember, you know, the first time I watched this this episode, because I also came to Buffy out of order. I didn't watch the first episode first. So when I first saw this episode, I was like, oh, God, I was in that exact same spot. I was like, he's going to kill her. What the hell is happening? This is horrible. And then I was like, ah, <laughs> I see what you're doing. And I was I really loved it. And every time I watch it, I love it just the same as I did the first time I saw it. It's That's, I think, what's so crazy special about this show is that even though I've seen it so many times and I know everything that's coming, it's still it's still special every time. Yes. It's still interesting every time. It still hits me the same every time. There's so many moments where every single time I watch them, I'm like, oh, but maybe it'll be different this time. <laughs> and it's the same every time. And I'm like, damn it. That's why there's fan fiction. <laughs> exactly. And there's so many like funny lines that still make me laugh that I've oh, heard yeah. a million times. Like it's just, they yeah. really, they really nail it. And yeah, Julie, Julie Benz just sets it all up, honestly. That that's just such a perfect scene. I agree. I don't have anything. I definitely else, agree. Else to add to that? That was that's just <laughs> so good. You're like that's it. It's just it. <laughs> that's it. That's perfect. just that's just the perfect it's scene. Well, and what perfect? And the, shut up. The other thing I wanted to say was she, he does this great thing, Joss Whedon, where you're you're nervous for her, mm-hmm. and then she turns out to be the villain, and you're happy about it. She kills oh, yeah. someone, and you're like, yeah. oh, good, she didn't get killed. Meanwhile. Exactly. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Okay. It's, and, and that's the type of thing where, you know, I'm going to get really lofty here for a second, but it's like I can feel the echoes of this moment into something like Gone Girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you're like, (laughs) if you get to the end of Gone Girl and you still think, you know, spoilers, I guess. (laughs) If you get to the end of Gone Girl and you still think Ben Affleck is like 100% the only victim, I don't know what to tell you, but you're wrong. (laughs) Like, there's, and I, that's the thing where like, I feel those echoes in it because, again, you're feeling the innocence of this, this like petite young looking blonde girl and you're not realizing that she's the thing that has teeth and i think knowing even knowing that she's the thing that you should be scared of you still are like oh god but you know she's stopped being the victim and that's very comforting in a way especially 
presently in our current climate right. it's very comforting to go back and be like julie benz is gonna rip this guy's neck open and it is so satisfying and it i is. can't it, it, like you can't explain it how viscerally satisfying it is to know that she's not being victimized yeah i feel like it's this meta ripping the neck open of the sexism in horror movies essentially like yeah. it's it's yeah. like this it, you're just like, oh, you're not going to do those tropes. That's right. So you see him as the embodiment of all. Because he's also acting like a complete douchebag. He's like, come douchebag, on, baby. Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on, baby. And everything's fine. <laughs> well, also, like, I'm very curious about the type of boy who is like, let's break into school to have sex there. <laughs> like, that does not going to school it like being in bio lab yes. does not make me feel sexy so like that's a really weird kink for yeah. this high school student i did not enjoy being in school i wouldn't go there for sex that's a weird yeah, I'm not decision gonna go back there but yeah that's because it also is like the middle of the night it was... it's like it's so dark outside it's not even like post football game it's like 2 a.m yeah so late well and it's funny because it's it's back and i mean they still do it now with high school shows but like they have these actors who are clearly not 15 years old and so grown adult men (laughs) because it would be a lot more disturbing to watch two 15 year old children act out this scene but and then thinking about the fact that they're supposed to be that age you're just like jesus Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) this is dark yeah fuck (laughs) <laughs> we got really deep into the first four minutes of this TV show. <laughs> it's going to take a while. Um, I did. I really want to talk about Cordelia. Hi, I'm Cordelia. I'm Buffy. Always. I always want to talk about Cordelia. Cordelia is, I don't think I appreciated her as much when I watched this live. Um, yeah, or even either. in my first couple of rewatches. I only mm. recent, like the past 10 years, I've been like, holy shit, Cordelia is like is cake she is and she's the like especially in this episode she's the embodiment of the writing of the show like her lines Mm -hmm. are just so perfect in everything she says totally dead way dead it's not just a little dead then don't you have an elsewhere to be how did he die i don't know well were there any marks morbid much i didn't ask i i am in a similar place where i didn't start appreciating Cordelia until like my third or fourth rewatch of Angel. Oh yeah. Because she does end up with some character development on Buffy, but like there's something she's always a like a secondary character at best yeah. on Buffy, but she's a lead on Angel. She is the second person in the credits Absolutely, for her entire yeah. run on Angel. And it's the type of thing where she just gets so much more opportunity on Angel. And without getting into that, because of obviously spoilers, I just, I love very, very early Cordelia on on Buffy. And then I love very, very late Cordelia on Buffy. But there's points in the middle where she's too mean. Yeah. And while I still think it's hilarious and I think Charisma Carpenter is doing so much with it, I can't stomach the character in those moments. Yeah. So I I am mixed on Cordelia as a character on Buffy specifically. I'm curious. That's my that's my biggest gripe. I'm curious to get to those moments where you're like, that's too much. Okay, I'll I'll let you know. Yeah, I really, I really want to hear hear about those because I, I I love, um, like for instance, one of my favorite lines ever 
is in this episode. What is your childhood trauma? And then- Excuse me, I have to call everyone I have ever met right now. It is so, always so funny. <laughs> it is super funny. I also think that that is the first and last viewing of a cell phone that we ever have on this yes. show. I don't know that there's another cell phone, which yeah. is kind of wild. I do love that line. One of the ones actually that I think is a little too mean only because of context is what she says to Willow at the water fountain because it is oh, apropos yeah. of nothing. She wa- she walks up to the place where Willow is. Willow is minding her business, drinking at the water fountain, and she just out of nowhere is like, Willow, nice dress. Good to know you've seen the softer side of Sears. And I'm like, Willow didn't even yeah. look at you. Like, <laughs> Why are you being so an mean. asshole? Yeah. Yeah, that's. That I mean, is she's th- doing it for Buffy. For, right. like, the benefit of Buffy, so Buffy knows who's, like, not cool or whatever, but it's also, it's just mean. I don't, think, don't pick on the girl that wears weird dresses. I think that's part of why I initially wasn't about Cordelia, because they very mm-hmm. clearly paint her out as, like, the bad guy yeah. per- personality-wise in the show, but then watching it and knowing where she goes with her family um, story in like season three yeah. and then where she goes, obviously an angel knowing everything. And, and obviously I don't think they told her any of that. They were just like, no, be, be a mean girl. Here's your mean dialogue, be a, but be a bitch. Here's, right, yeah, exactly. here's your, here's your words. <laughs> but having that knowledge now watching her as a young Cordelia, knowing she's trying mm-hmm. to fit in for all of these reasons, it yeah. makes sense to me. It is still very mean because it's like you didn't even <laughs> react to anything. Because that was the yeah, thing. I remember yeah. Will pointing out. He's like, Cordelia's always just speaking her mind. And she is to a degree. But sometimes she just goes for your throat for no reason. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like, because I, I think because Willow is so unassuming, especially in these early episodes, like, she's just a nerd. Yeah. she. It's not like she's a... It's not like she's a weird nerd. Like, she's not doing anything weird. Right. She's just not dressing great, and she's smart and studious. Right. Those are her crimes in Cordelia's eyes, and it's sort of like... It is the type of thing where it's like knowing where Cordelia goes, in my mind, I'm like, well, maybe she's just insecure because she's not smart. And then I'm like, <laughs> but I, I'm like, that's ascribing too much agency to this Cordelia. Right. Is the issue. So like this Cordelia is just mean. And while she does have so much of the funniest dialogue, it does always like, like ping in my brain where I'm like, I don't think. Like, they, they had no idea what was going to happen with yeah. her at this early stage. And so it is, like, it's a really huge progression that she makes over time. Yeah. Which I, I really love and appreciate. Yeah, which is also, I think, the biggest charm of the show. It's, like, a gift and a curse of the show because there's a lot of characters that come in with a certain, with a certain uh, line of thinking and a certain mm-hmm. weight to them, and it shifts because the audience reacts, and they get such yeah. character growth, like Spike, Cordelia, Wesley, mm-hmm. like even all- Darla. Darla, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Darla, which we'll get into when we do the next episode. But the degree to which so many characters grow on this show, yet had clearly no vision for their future from the beginning, yeah. is a, is a is why the show is so charming because they were able to like mold to what the audience mm-hmm. was and then how the characters were playing off each other and that's why it worked because they were like oh wait this person everybody likes this and this person and this person react really well 
Um, yeah. But it's also a curse because when you rewatch, you're like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. There, yeah, there's a couple of which we, I mean, we won't get to it for a little bit, but you mentioned Spike and he's one of the ones for sure for yeah. me that's like that. But I think, um, I think what I like so much about that, and I don't know a lot about the behind the scenes of this specifically, all I'm going to say is what I what I think it feels like. And I think it feels like a time, it was sort of, I, it feels like it was an in-between time in TV production where, like, obviously now people are do, people are making things and social media is so prevalent that they are able to see what is happening as the stuff, as the TV show is happening. Right. And so if it's not something that's short, they can course correct within the course of the season if the stuff's not written already. And so it almost feels to me like this show was created with like test audiences. Like they were showing these things to like WB like tour groups or something. Right. And they were like, how do you feel about this? And they were like, well, I like Julie Benz a lot. And Joss Whedon is like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, I'm going to have to do something. And Whoops. so it's kind of, it's like very, it's very interesting. That's what it feels like to me is that there was a lot more immediate uh, feedback because otherwise it back in this time, like obviously season one is short, but like there would have been, 12 or 13 episodes already shot before they started airing. Yeah. And so that's hard to pivot at that point. But I think there must have been something behind the scenes going on so that he could pivot in those moments, which is wild and so appreciated. Well, that actually makes a lot more sense, too. And I won't say the names or detail the scene specifically, but there's a character that is assumed dead later in season two. Um, and he or she, uh, was, <laughs> a f- was apparently a fan favorite. And uh. then at the end of the episode, you see another person pulling that uh. person up. So if anybody yes, okay. watches the show, I know what you're talking about now. <laughs> anybody who watches the show knows what I'm talking about. And any of you who are new watchers, you'll have a fun little surprise. But when we'll everybody there. was like, oh, yeah, they were planning on char- killing that character off. But then everybody loved that character. Mm-hmm. I was like, but that happens in the same episode. How did yeah. what, did they show this to somebody and then shot that last scene at the very end? I don't that May- makes maybe. more sense. Like maybe they were doing yeah. the screeners and then they were like, quick, shoot this little scene. Yeah, I don't know. It's the type of thing where I kind of want to try to do more research into like the behind the scenes stuff about it, because I know a lot of stuff. But I don't know all the stuff. Right. I'd be very curious to find out. I know. I feel like we should just watch the behind the scenes, too, with with every episode as well. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) I do have all my DVDs. I was watching this on Hulu, but I have all my DVDs. Me too, yeah. (laughs) We just spend like four hours of prep for each episode. (laughs) Sorry, Jobs. Look, I'm I'm very busy. I don't know if I have that much. I know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's, that's... that's awesome. I mean, I feel like that was that's everything in this episode for the most part, aside from... I was going to say, we haven't actually talked about any of the main characters. Yeah, any of the main <laughs> plot or characters. <laughs> I So one thing that I always find humorous about this episode is the inclusion of Jesse or uh, Eric Balfour as Jesse. Hey, Jesse, what's what? New girl. That's right, I saw her. Pretty much a hottie. I heard someone was transferring. So tell. Tell what? Sitch, we know better. New girl. Well, you certainly have thought of nothing. I 
didn't know who Eric Balfour was when I first saw this episode. And it was like a handful of, you know, rewatches later that I had finally seen something else with Eric Balfour. And then I went back and watched it and I was like, oh my God, it's Eric Balfour. What the hell? He's, I don't know why it's always humorous to me that he's just in this episode. Well, was he, he was well known back then, wasn't he? Or was he only well known afterward? I don't know. See, because I almost think that I, it can't have been. Didn't he do a run on Seventh Heaven? Probably. I feel Most like he did, did a run on Seventh Heaven. <laughs> but I feel like it wasn't until something like that that I like knew who he was. Like as, and he's unrecognizable from like the height of his popularity right. when he was like all tan and I don't know. Will's got a picture that he really <laughs> likes of him lying down. <laughs> It's very nice, but <laughs> so like in between this and the height of like his actual popularity and stuff when he was in like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff, he's like a different human. Yeah. Like he, he looks different. And so I don't know. I just didn't recognize him for the longest time. And then finally I did. And I was like, that's her. That's Eric Balfour. Yeah. I don't understand what's happening right now. <laughs> it was very weird to me. First, I think maybe it's my memory of him and all these things I've seen him in. But every time I watch this, I'm like, he's a, he's way more famous than all of them. Mm. It feels like that when I'm watching it because Xander and Willow aren't anybody when this show started. Right. And I yeah. think Sarah Michelle Gellar also hadn't really been so in anything. Sh- she was on like All My Children. Oh or something right, yeah, yeah, yeah. For a really long time, but she had brown hair on yeah. that. And, she, um, and, and which is also, like, that's popular to people who watch All My Children, but outside of that. Right. And then Allison Hannigan was in, like, My Stepmom's an Alien or something. Something, the thing she did with Seth Green as, like, a child. But, oh. Yeah. Because they, they already knew each other when he okay. got cast. Yeah. Um, but even still, she was, like, his girlfriend. So she wasn't, like, a huge part in that movie or anything. So, oh, yeah. Gotcha. I had nobody, no idea. Yeah, nobody else was, like, famous. And then... Obviously, Anthony Stewart Head was like only popular in England. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's like a bunch of unknowns. You might be right. Maybe I missed the Eric Balfour boat in the late nineties <laughs> and I was the one who was wrong. <laughs> well, it's funny because I didn't remember him at all. Like ten like about ten years ago when I was doing a rewatch, I for some reason it was just erased from my mind that he was in it. And I was like, Oh wait, mm. where did he like I forgot where he went and we'll cover that in the next yeah. episode. But I was just like, he's part of this group. Why is he not yeah. part of this group all the time? Um, and so then- that is something I'll say is actually one of my biggest complaints about this show is that it doesn't, it is serialized. You have to watch pretty much every episode, but they just straight up stop talking about things. Yeah. That happened. Like Jesse. They just are like, like it's done. And then we never discuss it again. Yeah. Like ever. And it's just sort of like, but there are things happening. Like, I know that there are things out there. Right. There are, you know, spoiler alert, I guess for a couple episodes, there are praying mantis eggs in the school. And like, right, we yeah. never talk about it again, ever. Ever. <laughs> yeah, they do that that horror movie trope where it ends and you're like, ooh, and then it just goes away. And it's like, yeah. you can't do that never when you're again. building a serialized drama exactly. and things come it's back. In- in that way, it is very 1990s. It's not serialized in a way that things are serialized today. Like, right. it's it's serialized in the way that, obviously, things in, you know, like, ER was serialized. But 
it's not serialized like Game of Thrones. Right. <laughs> where yeah. you actually if, can't miss an episode. If they yeah, if they did that now, if they did what they did with the eggs now and many other mm-hmm. things, people would be livid. Because you would be watching yeah. it expecting like, oh, that's gonna tie into this and like you're just trying to puzzle it together. Yeah, where something something that was again in a different in between zone, which is lost, where like I still think about the four toed statue and wonder what it means. <laughs> I still wonder what it means. It, we are like 12 years away from that now. We're like so far past that. And I'm like, but it has to mean something. It's you, you have to tell me what it means. We have to go back, Kate. Like if I ever get Damon Lindelof in a room alone, <laughs> I'm going to make him tell me. <laughs> He's just going to be like, I don't know. We made it up. And you're like, no, <laughs> give no, me a reason. Unacceptable. <laughs> give me a reason. I don't care if it's fake. Yeah. Make it up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they do. It, it, they're, and even when they do, it, I won't spoil what it is. Like, we're just going to keep doing this every episode. <laughs> but I won't spoil what it is. But there's a thing that happens. There's a thing a character says at the end of season two that's brought up in season seven where they're just like, well, you said to do this. Yep. And they're like, I didn't say that. And then they just move on. I'm like, no, no, we've Uh, been waiting for a conversation about this. (laughs) No, yeah. So like, okay, I can't wait to get there because to me, that is a friendship ender. Yeah. (laughs) And I just like, they're just like, well, whatever then. And it like makes me furious. (laughs) I know. I cannot wait to get to those episodes. Um... But we're here. We're episode one. We're here. We're in episode one, and we're getting so far ahead already. Sorry. This is this is what it's like watching Buffy. This is what it's like rewatching Buffy because you're like, yeah. oh shit, I get that's gonna be this, and like you know where uh-huh. it all plays. It's so cool. Yeah. Um. I do. I do love though, because I was thinking about it the first time I saw Willow in this episode. I was like, wow, because she is obviously very clearly Allison Hannigan. You, it's she's recognizable. She's got the red hair and everything. But I was like, it is because I I was looking at her dress, and it's it's horrible. I mean, Cordelia is right about the softer side of Sirius. She just shouldn't say it. You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. She's right, but she shouldn't say <laughs> Hashtag it. Hashtag Cordelia's right. <laughs> Hashtag Cordelia's right. So I was looking at it, and I was like, man, I was like, what's actually really interesting is the evolution of everyone's fashion because i was looking i was looking at xander too and i was like he he first of all enters this show on a skateboard which is never seen again like he's never skateboarding ever again but he's he's introduced on this show as like a skater right and he's wearing like an like an open button-down shirt with like a wife beater underneath and then like shorts or khakis or whatever skateboarding and then willow is the same in her dress and stuff and I think what's really, really interesting is the way this show uses fashion to, uh, like, further the character development. Because Buffy goes through a lot of changes, Xander goes through a lot of changes, but I think Willow goes through the most changes. Because she is very frumpy and nerdy at the beginning. And I I like the implication that it is the introduction of Buffy that, like, maybe steers her into a more stylish arena. And yeah. obviously we haven't seen that yet, but it, it is really... Because I was thinking about stuff she wears later, specifically the musical episode. She's she wears a really cool thing in the musical episode. Oh yeah, and that's the type of thing where I'm just like, wow, because like you cannot, you can't imagine this Willow being confident enough to wear something like that. Yeah, and I, it's just, it's so it, the character development of all the characters is so interesting because they all 
they all follow a path, but they all are still demonstrably themselves by the end of it. Like, they don't feel like a different character. Like, sometimes we talk about the, you know, the final three seasons of Friends. And yeah. it's like, they are all caricatures of who they were <laughs> by the time that the show is over. Like, we they're not were real. on a break! <laughs> yeah, they're, like, not real people anymore by season 10. And, like, I do feel like these characters are all still real people yeah even despite the supernatural stakes i love that about this show yeah the the it's my favorite yeah the character development i think is why it's not only such a lovely charming show that easily wraps you because it's not it's not the special effects it's not some of the monsters are interesting but it's not the monster yeah. stories <laughs> It's these characters and their dialogue and the way they connect with each other. And, like, that's yeah. that's how I felt. I was just like, oh, my God, I've never seen a show exactly. where characters grow like this and they interact like this and they talk mm-hmm. like this. It's very – and it's, like, quick-hand dialogue. Like, everything mm-hmm. is just so fresh and connected and, and there's so much growth. And it's fun. The rewatch, I think, is what makes it such a staple in time is because you get – like you, like you said, you're watching her as this – boxy nerd and you're like mm-hmm. i know what she grows to become and this is exactly. so much fun to watch that yeah it's really fun to watch the like the seeds of what's going to come like you're like as episode one is happening you're watching the seeds of this character get planted because there's a moment in this episode where willow is so naive and she gets sort of taken under by this vampire who like accosts her into a mausoleum and she is deep into the cemetery before she realizes what's happening oh okay this is nice and scary are you sure this is faster and i'm like girl if if some man tries to take you through a cemetery to as a shortcut to the ice cream shop i think you need to reevaluate your street smarts But that's the thing that's so great about Willow is she does reevaluate her street smarts immediately. Yeah. She's like, oh, this was a bad situation. I'm going to immediately pivot and work towards not having this happen again. Yeah, exactly. And that's the kind of stuff that's just, it's my favorite. I it's, love it so much. It's one of my, it, this is this is definitely kind of a, a spoiler, but by the time we get to Angel, if we ever even cover Angel, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, indicative of when Cordelia in episode one of Angel like yeah. goes and she's talking to the she goes into the room and she's just yeah. like you have such a big room with no mirrors or windows you're a vampire like I and love the, it I love it and old Cordelia never she would have just walked into a trap but this Cordelia had yeah. been had grown and was just like he's all what no I'm not I love it well and I, I that's the thing specifically about that moment that I love is his reaction where yeah. he's like what are you yeah. of, cor- of course not. <laughs> And she's like, yes, you are. And then she's like, oh, oh, I have to go. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Which is funny, too, because he very easily could have just been like, well, then I'm just going to kill you. But he was like, huh, uh, yeah. no, like, what do you of mean? Of course not. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> You've taken my power. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do love that moment. I do. And I also think um, before we wrap up, because, wow, we're closing it on an hour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Giles. Yes. In the first episode. That's the only thing I had left. <laughs> So, okay, Giles to me is so fascinating of a character, especially on rewatch, because he is giddy at the thought of having a Slayer, which I think is something I've not noticed a lot in past rewatches, but he is, 
he's like, I know what you're after. Yeah. And he puts the vampire book on the on the desk and he's grinning he's like so a excited. lunatic. And she's like, absolutely not. And he like his face falls and you can see him being like, oh, no, this is not totally right. what I signed up for. I'm going to need to like to adjust my approach and in fairness he does end up doing a really good job adjusting his approach but he is such like a prig for like for like most of season one just being like Buffy you you need to train (laughs) you need to read books and it's just like that is not Buffy's strong suit you need to understand yeah well and it's so great watching when she goes back in and she's like okay what's the sitch sorry you heard about the dead guy right the dead guy in the locker yes because it's the weirdest thing He's got two little, little holes in his neck, and all his blood's been drained. Isn't that bizarre? Aren't you just going, ooh? <laughs> That's one of my favorite deliveries that she's ever done in anything. Yes. And I just, it's so without artifice. She just is like, uh, why aren't you, why aren't you surprised? Why aren't you shocked about this? There's yeah. a vampire in this school. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so great. It's just... Yeah, the, it, there's little moments like that where I'm like, she's perfect for this role. And Giles, a- Anthony Stewart Head, I know we've talked about it before, like Anthony Stewart Head and Allison Hannigan are yeah. hands down the Absolutely. most perfect casting I've ever seen. Um, I definitely agree. I also, as I've gotten older, and actually probably when I was too young to really understand the feelings I was feeling, Giles is a straight piece. He is a snack <laughs> He is. If you don't agree, you are incorrect. He is definitely a snack. Giles is a snack. Just, you know, you know under that tweed exterior, there's something in there. We get a working. little we get a little peek in band candy later on. So. We do. We do <laughs> we, get a little peek. Actually, we get a peek before that. The season two episode with Ethan. Oh, which is... Um, Shit, um, I forgot. It's the Halloween. Halloween. It's a Halloween episode. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I think that okay. is yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's because she dresses in the thing. Yeah, yeah. That's in the season. That's yeah, the yeah, beginning yeah. of season two. That's right. Yeah. Um yeah, sorry, we're spoiling things again. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> that, we didn't say anything that's an actual spoiler. True, there's that's just, true. You know, there's, you know, there's but candy. We, we do we do end up finding out about Giles' past. Yes. Which is which important. Is awesome. And I I love it. Yes. And then the only thing uh, speaking of Giles, the only thing that always irks me when I watched this first episode, is the scene when they're in the bronze and he puts his arms around her and yep. leans behind her. And I yep, was like, yep. you are 30 years older than this little yeah. girl that you should not be doing this to. <laughs> Look at them, throwing themselves about, completely unaware of the danger that surrounds them. Well, perhaps you're right. Perhaps there is no trouble coming. The signs could be wrong. It's not as though you've been having the nightmares. So... As as a well as a woman in the first place, and as a teenage woman when I first watched this, and also as an adult woman in the year today, <laughs> it is very uncomfortable for an adult male teacher to be like caging a girl in on the balcony of a nightclub, yep. especially when he's in a two positions of authority above her. Yes. He is like an authority figure at the school and he is in this ancient thing her authority figure as well it's a very it is like probably the only moment where i feel giles is creepy with buffy but it is like the first moment and it's like very early and they do luckily back off of that but i agree it hit me weird this time too and especially given some stuff that happens later 
in season six, <laughs> it's even more creepy. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Once we get there, we'll let you know. We'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, when St- Stacy, actually, my wife, when we were watching um, Buffy through with her, when I was watching it through with her, she was saying, like, oh, God, is is there going to be weird stuff between Giles and Buffy. I was like, no, no, no. It evolves to be like father figure. I don't know what this is. <laughs> Only on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Only on the internet. Don't look up something. <laughs> no. Don't look it up. There is a lot There is a lot of stuff, but it's, it's best not seen. <laughs> but yeah, Back that was... before the internet was as regulated as it is. Yes. I've been on some websites. <laughs> it's, it's mediocre. <laughs> You've done it for us. Yes, you don't need to go looking unless yes. that's your thing, and then you know, then go for you know, it. Have have at it. Well, that was. I think that's everything. This this episode ends on a cliffhanger, which is Luke the vessel. Yeah. You have no idea what you're dealing with. I, I I don't know if we know he's the vessel. Maybe that's a spoiler. Um, he's not. I don't think he is yet. But yes. Luke is a vampire in the Master's court. Yes, and he has cornered Buffy inside a sarcophagus. Yes. <laughs> Which is also, it is a l- slightly terrifying scenes even yeah. now because she is this strong, confident slayer in the way she's talking and handling Darla and mm-hmm. kill the other. You're like, oh shit, okay. She's, she's our hero. And then Luke yeah. just bats her around like nothing and you're like oh shit well he grabs her by the back of a back of the neck like she's a puppy yeah and like and it's just like <laughs> tosses oh god her, yeah yeah tosses her into the sarcophagus it's it's it is pretty scary you're right it's also one of those things where i look back on it because i often struggle in my mind with the variance of buffy's strength throughout the show mm. and there mm-hmm. definitely are some times where i'm like you shouldn't have a problem with this vampire after the things you've yeah. done. But I also think, like, there is definitely a growth. Like, her fighting Luke, she hasn't grown to be the Buffy, the super-powered yeah. Buffy at the end of season seven. And you do get to see her, like, growing her strength and her abilities. But there's definitely throughout a problem. <laughs> I think there also are, like, moments of complacency that she faces where she just is like, well, this is no problem at all. And it's like she gets a little overconfident sometimes. True. Yeah, that's true. And so it's like she was quipping with Darla and she got her friends out of the bad situation. And then all of a sudden she it's this really strong guy. And she, you know, it's been months and months now since she had to fight Lothos. So it's like... A different she's like not in shape she's not been practicing she's been trying to pretend it doesn't exist she's not in touch with her power she's right. not like centered in anything and i agree i think it is there is a growth from this episode obviously through to season seven but i think i think it's a natural and a realistic growth i think yes. she doesn't ever she's not ever overpowered with no explanation true nor is she underpowered with no explanation yeah i i yeah they Despite there being things that I think they sort of leave hanging, there is an attention to detail in this show that is sort of remarkable for a show of its time. Yeah. In that sense. Because, yeah, we could get into a point where it's like she's just like single-handedly like, you know, lifting the Empire State Building or something, (laughs) like Superman. And then the next episode, she's like, I got a paper cut. And it's like... No, no, we're fairly fairly consistent on an upward trajectory with her powers. Yeah. I agree. I like that too. And she's also a very because uh, I something I noticed this episode. I don't think I ever noticed. She breaks open a door with no problem, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've never seen her do that in any other episode. But that's a significant like signal of strength. That's like a Jessica Jones yeah. level of yeah, yeah, yeah. 
She, I feel like she does, but I, but that's the other thing about Buffy, the character, is that I feel like she she's actually pretty respectful of property. Yeah. She doesn't break things if she doesn't have to. So, But I feel like she does like a doorknob or something at one point. Maybe. She just like, crush, cr- like crushes a doorknob to get in somewhere, but now I can't remember if or when that happens. We'll have to keep our eyes open. Yeah, I'll keep my eyes <laughs> we'll, peeled for we'll wanton ca- destruction of property. <laughs> we'll, count, we'll count all of the destruction of property. <laughs> It'll be great. Yes. Um, all right, cool. Well, this this was great. Yay. I I love talking about Buffy. Me too. All right, well, catch us next time. For now, we're on Twitter. at I'm at Trevor Carly on Twitter. And uh, I, well, so I have another podcast and it's oh, yes. at So I'm Watching, but I am also personally on Twitter at FiddleDD85. Yes. Uh, I can spell that at some point, but, you know, <laughs> right now my Scarlett O'Hara brain isn't working. Yeah. So. <laughs> if you go to So I'm Watching, I'm sure you'll find her easily. You can link out to me, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can catch us on the next episode when it comes out. So see you all Yay. next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.